probably going to step on some toes today. So let's just go ahead and pull the Band-Aid off, Ben. Talk about some things we need to talk about. Absolutely. This is the Unscripted Podcast. All right. If you have ever... You're not I, doing a good job with this, I'm man. not. I'm not. If you ever have missed the podcast for the beach, <laughs> hit that hit that like and subscribe button. <laughs> that is funny. If you've ever missed the podcast. Hey, Bob, how are you doing today? You're looking a little peaking <laughs> over there. Are you okay? It's been a rough week since we saw you last. Right, right. So we got Ben with us today. Uh, we wanted Bob to join us, but unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't really work out the way we wanted it to. You know, Bob's had a rough couple days evangelizing, and him so we appreciate what you do bob we do we do i mean he is just such an awesome person i mean he can literally he can take a, a stop sign and a butterfly and create a sermon with make that. a sermon off of it you yeah know? he's just he's that's his that's his strong point and and you know he just wore himself out so we'll just let him sleep today and and then no bob's he's at the beach this week with yeah. his it's they him and his wife's 15th anniversary so they're right. down there with spending some family time so Bob will be back next week, and and you know at least this week, kind of the 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 good looking average goes up. We got Ben on here, you know the we what have can to fight. I say? What well, can I say? you know yeah. we have to fight the ladies off with a stick because of Ben. That's you right. know, I mean it's just I know it's a cross you got to bear, Ben, but you know you just have to take it. Okay, that's right. So you know we we've been talking for weeks about I mean uh, last week about for weeks before this about parables and. You know, this week, last week, we started talking about, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and you know, we, we kind of touched on this idea of a standard. You know, we just got to have a standard that we agree on. And, you know, in our Wednesday night class, if anybody out there is is watching and like to see it, you know, we're going through this series of actually how we got the Bible. You know, the, the not like inspiration aspect of it, but how it was passed down through the, the ages, as it were, so that we can know that the standard that we hold is really true. Mm-hmm. And so today, you know, I, I thought a, a really uh, a way that will probably divide the herd some, and probably some folks are going to get upset, is we just need to talk about God's real system of faith. You know, what does it really mean to live as a faithful Christian? You know, to be that kind of person that's a, boy, that guy's a faithful person. Right. Well, well, what is that? what is, does that look like? Where do we... Where and 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 if it looks a certain way, how do we know what it's supposed to look like? You know, if if so, for example, passion. If I said Ben, define me passion. What would you say? I think I'd first talk about the fruit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> why the fruit? That's just what it came to my mind. You know, yeah. this is the unscripted podcast. Well, you know, but the, the, I would I would say something you feel really strongly about. And but how would you how would you describe a person that has passion? Through through their actions. 
isn't it one of them things that's hard to describe? It is. But you see it. Like, mm-hmm. you ever watched a ball team and they're just getting the brakes beat off of them? Yeah, like Alabama last <laughs> week. <you know? laughs> no, uh, they were getting the brakes beat off of them. Can we use another analogy? And uh, North Carolina. Another. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. No, I mean, you, you watch these teams that start getting the brakes beat off of them. And every fervor, every fire they got is just like – and they'll show the the shots of the crowd, and there's just some little girl on their phone and some dude, and he's just sitting there, you know, all bowed up and upset, and he's just like, how much more of this thing? But then something will happen. You know, like something will happen. They'll, they'll block a punt or something. Somebody will run back a field goal, I mean a, a, a block punt, and then, then you know, they stand up. And then the next thing you know, the, the, it's changed. And then that passion and that fervor and that zeal is back in the game. And so everybody's back. Well, well you know, what it is is passion is one of those things that, like, I'm sure there's a definition. I'm sure there's a, a literal definition to it, but you really know it when you see it. Right. And, and I think one of the challenges with, with faith mm-hmm. is that we have just skewed the definition of it. That's right. I mean, if you ask, and really we have it with a lot of biblical terms, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, especially in the religious world, we use, we, we take, take a word like faith, right? Mm-hmm. Me and you, when, we, when, we're, when we're talking about faith and we talk to one of our denominational friends about faith, we're using the same word, but we're meaning two different things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and so that thing. That's why I think it's important that we do exactly what God says. Right. Because if if faith is something that God requires, and let's 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 look at Hebrews eleven. And and the good thing that you know about the Bible is God defines faith for us. That's right. That's right. And so. Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. And let's see what the Bible says about faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you take this verse and let's break it down. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's God. Mm-hmm. So we've got to have faith in order to please God. No getting around it. For he who comes to God, then he, then he kind of outlines, you know, kind of the broad brush, right? The right. broad view of it. He who comes to God, number one, must believe that he is. He is what? God. So in order to please God, you got to have faith. Okay, so the first thing we got to understand about faith is that we got to come to God and must believe that He is God. He's the one that made me. He's the the divine Creator. It, this wasn't a chance. I didn't come from a monkey, you know, four hundred million years ago. I don't go to the zoo to see my family, right? You know, God created me. He's God. And the second one is that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So there's there's three components here. We got to have faith. We got to believe that he is. And we got to understand that he rewards those that diligently seek him. So now we have this biblical definition 
of what faith is. Now, verse 1 of Hebrews 11 says, now faith is. So verse 6 says, you got to have faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is substance being? Something, right? Something you can hold. Yeah, it's tangible. Right. Right? I mean, you know, there, there's there, the something that has substance to it, like uh, even an argument, mm-hmm. right? You know, we'll say that, um, like I could make the argument that swimming trunks draw sharks because people that get by, bit by sharks most of the time have on swimming trunks. Does that argument have any substance? Not really. Not really, because you know why people get by, bit by sharks with their swimming trunks on? Because that's what you wear when you're in the water. That's what you wear when you're in the Unless water. Unless you're at a different beach. You yeah, know? right. right. One of them, have you been to one of them beaches? I have not. Okay, not. okay. You think that's where Bob's at this week, one of them beaches? Who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? So, you know, substance is something that's tangible and, and valuable. And, and you use- know a lot about it, too, because, I mean, you're kind of a blue-collar guy yourself, right? What do you mean by that? You, you're a machinist. You, you, you use your hands and, and your machines to, I mean, you can make anything, right? But it's a tangible thing that you, you make. You don't, I mean, when you were going through Bowtech school, you weren't really talking about this, you know, just imaginary. Yeah, yeah, field. theoretical, yeah. you know, that this might happen. Get a little closer to your mic. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot better. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, you're talking about substance, something that is actually there, and the evidence of things not seen. Right. So, so substance is things that we can see, hold, touch, mm-hmm. you know, are, are provable, right? You know, something like this wall behind me is evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, a substance. And evidence is like you walk into a room and I'm laying dead. I got a hole in my head. You're holding the gun and it's smoking. You heard the gunshot. Somebody comes running down the hallway, sees nobody running out. What is the evidence that would point? Is there any evidence that would point that I shot myself? No. No. Is there any evidence that it would point that somebody else shot me? Of course. You know, like if I shot you, I'm holding the gun, smoke's coming out the barrel, you just heard the shot. What's the evidence? You have all of, really, your senses. You have the object. You have the blood. Mm -hmm. You have the bullet hole. Yeah, so so now we have evidence, right? right? We didn't see Ben shoot Chris, Mm -hmm. but we have explicit evidence that Ben did it. Right. Would a jury let you off on that? No. No. They're and not... it happens all the time. That's right. And, and so what we're talking about today is God's real system and understanding of what faith is. Because we want to really understand if we're going to be God's people and we want to be faithful people. I mean, that's what we want to be. We want to be the kind of people that are, that are considered the faithful you, you know, Israel, you know, over and over again, they're pointed to in this, these different terms of, for example, the remnant. The remnant shall be saved. Well, who's he talking about there, Ben? The unfaithful or the faithful? The faithful. The faithful. You know, that, that's the, the remnant are the ones over and over again, the ones that, that held on mm-hmm. to God's traditions. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 11... Romans chapter 11, 
<laughs> Let's see here. Where do we want to go to? Romans 11, then... Verse 5. Romans 11, verse 5. You know, it, it's kind of piggybacks. I know it sounds stupid, but it piggybacks chapter 10, right? Mm -hmm. Chapter 10, you know, brethren, my heart's desire in Israel that they might be saved, for they have a zeal according to knowledge, but not according, that for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And, and then you come over here to Hebrews 11, I mean, uh, Romans 11 and verse number five, and Paul says, even so at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace, that there was a group, I mean, there was Israelites that remained faithful mm -hmm. the whole time. And it goes, you know, back to Habakkuk 2 and verse four, Habakkuk 2, 2 and verse four says, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Right. So God's system has always been a faith system. Mm -hmm. Throughout the ages, it's been a faith system. So when we think about faithfulness, when we look at, was Noah faithful? Absolutely. Why? Because he did what God told him to do by building the ark. That's exactly right. Was Abraham faithful? Absolutely. Why? When, 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 Abraham, or when God told Abraham to take his son up and sacrifice his son Isaac, he did so. He did it. And he was they were justified by their faith. And I mean you can go read that in Hebrews eleven. Yeah, all that at at the at Hebrews eleven, I got a little voice message that said audio from somebody. I don't know what that means. Oh maybe I got an audio message. But mm -hmm. the so you, you think about this, this idea of faithfulness, God has always required in faith. This idea that you do exactly what God wants you to do. Yeah, right? I mean, you just read a second ago. I mean, it's without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's right. And so if we really want to please God, right, if, if we really love Jesus, we need to keep his commandments. It has to be done by faith. Yeah, that, that message I just got right there was about faithfulness. Mm -hmm. It was somebody had called our church building and got Kelly one of our uh, deacon's wives and wanted to know if we could help them with a hotel. Well, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for faithful actions. They're looking for faith in actions like James 2, mm -hmm. right? Let's turn to, to James 2. Because all these are kind of broad brush things. We're going to get into some, spe into some specific things. Because you got to experience something this morning that was faith, right? Right. So let's turn to James 2. James 2. Okay, where are we at, Ben? James 2. Um, yeah, James 2 and verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not, does not have what? Works. Works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked, destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give him the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? For thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You know, First John 3.15, you know, says, you who have this world's goods and see your brother in need and such up your heart against him, 
does the love of God abide in you? Don't you suppose we have this world's goods here, Ben? Absolutely. So somebody called us wanting help, mm-hmm. right? You can probably answer this question. We've got what? We've had this week as many as, what, seven, eight, ten people, something like that, in the benevolence program? Right. People that were helping, mm-hmm. right? And why do we do those things for? Number one, we want to get them to heaven. We want to get them to heaven. You know, and in our benevolence program, it isn't just, like, obviously, you know, they're homeless. They need a place to stay. Right. But we want to give them something that, that's going to last forever. And so, it's really not we're giving it to them. We're just trying to get them on that right direction. So our faith in action, right? right? The, the, the Our shepherds have set this aside and said, hey, this is the way that we can show faith to the world. Mm-hmm. Why ain't you got your headphones on? You just want me to look like a nincompoop by well, myself? Well, no, I, it's just weird because I hear my own voice, and I just can't, <laughs> like, I... I but you'll tell that you keep wandering away from the mic mm-hmm. if you had your headphones on. Yeah. But the, you know, our elders have set aside this this uh, a certain amount of money that we're going to take care of people in the community that need help. But in order to do that, you know, what we want you to do, we are moving in 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 the way that James two says, right? Naked, destitute of daily food. We are moving in the way James two says. Well, in doing so, what we've done is we have we have moved with faith. While the in, in one component, right? Because James two says you're going to have to take care of people. There's no getting around that, right? Mm-hmm. There's just no way that unless you don't have the means, there's 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 no option there, right? Right. But but you piggyback that. So God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Those are the after that it in Hebrews eleven after verse six it goes through and it shows all these people that diligently sought God. Right? Mm-hmm. Noah by faith built the ark. Moses by faith chose to suffer with the children of Israel than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Abraham, when he was called, left. Abraham, when he was called, offered his uh, son Isaac. Sarah, who was old and said, even though she was barren, knew that God... I mean, all these things go over and over and over again through there. How do these people diligently seek him? They did exactly what God told them to do. Right. They didn't, they didn't, try, to make, they didn't try to make excuses and say, say well, Lord, I, I know that you want me to take my boy, but shoot, he's the only one I got. You know, I mean, how, how do you think this is, you know, when, when in, in Genesis chapter 17, when Abraham sacrifices Isaac, you know, figuratively, mm-hmm. you know, he, he tells the people, you know, if you speak up reading there and it says, Abraham, uh, take your son whom you have loved, your only son whom you have loved and sac- and God calls Abraham to take him and he tells the servant, the, his, the servants he brought with him. Uh, you know, you wait here while the lad and I go yonder to worship, worship, and we'll return to you. So, but God's telling him to go go up there and sacrifice his boy. But somehow or another, God, Abraham had worked it out that God was going to bring you back, or or something was going to happen. Why? Because God told Abraham that Isaac was the son of promise. God told him that Isaac is the one that we will continue to bring the promise. That I told you in Genesis 12 that through all through your seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. You'll have a nation and you'll have a land promise. All those things are going to come through your seed, Abraham. And Isaac is the chosen one. And so when when God carries him, because, you know, he tries to kind of circumvent it with um, Ishmael. And God says, no, 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 that's not the one. You, you, you've got to wait. you just got to do what I'm going to tell you to do. So when Isaac steps on the scene, God said, he's the one. That's the one that this is going to happen with. So now... You don't have to, however, Abraham by faith saw that God was going to bring him back. 
you know, you can speculate, you can say a lot of things, but you don't know any of it to be true. Right. Only thing that you know is that, that Abraham knew that Isaac was coming back some kind of way, whatever that meant. And I think, you know, there's, there's this large misconception out right? there of, well, he had a blind faith. In Scripture, there's no such thing as no a such blind thing. faith. And we're going to touch on that in a minute. And, and this whole idea, so what we're trying to talk about is, is number one, we're talking about being the kind of people that does what the Lord says to do. That's how a person is found faithful. Mm-hmm. Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. So if, if when Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice, how did, he, how did he know that, how did he do the right thing and Cain do the wrong thing? He did what God told him to do. Whether, whether it's daddy Adam told him mm-hmm. and God told Adam or God told Abel, whatever the case may be, he, they knew what exactly was the right thing to do they, to they be required the, faithful. Right, they knew the standard. They knew the standard, and Cain tried to circumvent the standard and said, you know, I'll just do my thing. Abel's, nope. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's not right. Abel offered by faith a more excellent sacrifice. In, in a lot of ways, he really cut the corners, right? That's exactly right. He cut the corners. So you, you think about this. Now let's come back over here, and let's start talking about some of this, this other, this idea of faithfulness. Really what faithfulness is, is us doing what God tells us to do, and it's not just one explicit thing. Mm-hmm. Like James 2, I can feel real good about giving people food. I can feel real good about giving people shelter. I can feel real good about a lot of those things. But none of those things by themselves are faithfulness. None of those things are. Now, we really like to think that. We really like to feel good because society puts so much emphasis on this humanitarian stuff. Mm-hmm. This idea that, you know, you just go do good. We went over to, uh, I, let's just not say the school this morning, you know, on the air. But we went over to one of the public schools this morning. And, you know, because Bob's at the beach, they were recognizing us. And you got to go. And, and uh, you, I reckon you're going to participate with us, some of that stuff this year. Right. Well, what we've been doing is we've been going over there for the last two years. And we've been teaching in a public school these vocational trades. And what we're doing is we're piggybacking these things into spiritual application over and over again. Because just d- these kids need this. Now, the school's going to feed them. The school's going to shelter them. The school's going to give them everything. Uh, as a matter of fact, th- they've got all these protections in place. I asked a lady, we got all them book bags over there in that room. I said, do y'all need any book bags? She said, book bags are banned here. They can't have book bags. So they even got safety measures in place for those kids. But what we can offer them is something that they can't. And we can we can open up their eyes to all these different possibilities of of their occupation of the way that they can employ themselves, the way that they can become a valuable member of society instead of sucking mm-hmm. on the on the vine, as it were, you know, they can put back and they can make a difference. And so they won the governor's award for what we did last year, but we don't feel good about just going over there and doing these things for them. What we're trying to do is make ourselves so indispensable that when we go over there and do these things, we dictate the terms of surrender. Mm-hmm. If you want us over here, our motive, the first meeting we had with them was our motives are purely spiritual. You have to understand that. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here. You've been with me in meetings, and I've said the same thing. 
when we meet with various people that we're trying to be faith in action as a church. And because we want them to know that our motives are purely spiritual. Because here's the kicker to this thing, Ben. If you turn to Matthew chapter 28... And I think you make a good point right there too. <clears throat> if we Well, I hope so. If we if we do these things just to feel good about ourselves, but we're not focused on getting people to heaven, then it's all for vain. It's all for vain. So we went over there this morning. Let's not name the group, okay? But there was a very prominent civic organization that was there, right? The news people were there. They 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 handed them a check. What they give them a check for? A thousand dollars. A thousand bucks. Now, how much is a thousand bucks going to go for in a school? It, it, just like that. Quick. I mean, I mean, I did my credit card statement today for the for my church card, and it's no telling how much stuff is on there for the last two months and all those things. I mean, it's it's two or three thousand dollars on there. I hate when Colby sends me this thing because I have to go through and itemize it all. Well, all that stuff on there. I mean, a thousand bucks would burn through that quick. Right, I mean, it just you just go through that stuff in a minute. You know, yeah. when you when you talk about feeding people, you talk about buying supplies, you talking about uh, um, stamps. I mm. bought, um, I forgot how many rolls Jessica told me to buy. Whatever it was, I had three hundred and fifty dollars worth of stamps on my credit card bill. Three hundred, so stamps, mm-hmm. and that's just there's there's no tangible value to that after it's gone. Right, once you send it out, it's gone. So this group shows up. They were real happy because the Channel 7, you know, our local news mm-hmm. was there taking pictures and videos and everything. And what happened? All the people from the school were, were clapping along. That's exactly them. right. And what happened as soon as the lady shut the camera down? Nowhere to be found. Gone. Mm-hmm. They were gone. Now, they got their photo op. They got their ability to, to you know, to, over their organization to be able to show back up the pipe what they're doing. And they felt real good about themselves. But when it was all said and done... What we want to do is spiritual. Because in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20, now, now here's the thing is that we've been really good in the church, and I'm thankful for this, of pointing out the fact that there is no salvation verse. Mm-hmm. Right? There's right. there's no like... Or salvation book. Yeah, there's no first salvations, mm-hmm. right? So, so it is the sum of God's word, right? It's us taking all these things that God wants us to do and putting them together. Does the Bible teach that we must hear the hear what God wants us to do? Yes. Does it teach that we must believe the gospel? Yes. Does it teach us that we must understand that we're going to have to make changes in our life? We, the Bible calls it repentance. Yes. Does it, does it teach that we must live this kind of life that we're not scared to be what the kind of people God wants us to be in the world? Yes. Does it teach us that we must be immersed in water for the forgiveness of our sins, that we bury ourselves in Christ? Yes. Does it teach any of those verses in one spot, Ben? No. No, there's 20 verses that we'd put together to, to build that as a storyline. Mm-hmm. And we would, in the church, say that is God's plan of salvation. And I'm fine with that. But it's time that we start understanding what God's system of faith is. Because in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, most people in the church can quote this verse. Most people in, when, when I teach, uh, we do our class on Thursday nights. And, we, and I sign a Bible topic. And so our kids, they come in, or Thursday morning or Thursday night, I sign a Bible topic, and I say, here you go. You take this topic, and you bring me a verse or a section of verses about this topic, whatever it is. And then they'll come in. One of them that I picked, one of the guys in the denominational world, 
about how we work together, he picked this verse right here. Somebody in one of the denominations, that's how famous of a verse this is. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go there. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Does that mean that my system of faith is segmented? Then does that mean that that in James 2, I've got this portion that I do of faith. I've got my day where I hand out food and clothing. And then I've got my next day where I go and, and I do... Uh, evangelizing. Is that what God wants right there? No, it's a lifestyle. He wants us to take those two things and do what? Put them together. Mesh them together to become part of who you are. Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to be found, when I get to heaven, Ben, do you think the Lord will use this as a criteria of judgment? Absolutely. Why? Because he said it. It's his words. It's his words. How do we get around that, Ben? We can't. So, so God's system of faith is what? What he said. What he says and us responding Doing to it. Doing it. Being obedient. Being obedient to it. So, so when, when we think about this idea of me being a faithful person to God, mm-hmm. you know, we're really good and we feel really good about learning a lot of things. And I'm glad. I'm glad that we spend so much time, like we talked about last week, rightly dividing the word of truth and understanding the Bible in its explicit nature. What a blessing. What a blessing that is to do that. But that does us no good if we understand all these things. It's, it's like, Ben, I'm going to give you a $1,000 check today. right? I'm going to be this group. I'm going to give you a $1,000 check today, but in order for you to do it, you're going to have to go down to the bank and pick up the check. Will you ever get that check? Even though it's yours to have, will you ever get that check? Were you faithful in what I told you to do? If I don't get the check, no. No, it's still yours. Right. But you've got to do, you've got some skin in the game with mm-hmm. this too. Why is it, Ben, that so many people in the world, and especially in the church, can read this? and then think this is subjective. Or they'll feel real good about the fact that I invited somebody to church one time. Or, you know, I'm fishing and I say, man, the Lord, the Lord really gave us a good sunset, sunrise this morning. Why do we think that, why do we think we that's faithfulness for? Because we tell ourselves it is. Who gets to set that standard, man? The Lord. And and it's a scary thing to think about this idea that that faithfulness is defined very much differently than what the world does, and unfortunately, being what the church does sometimes. I mean, when when um, if somebody had been coming to church for three months, what did we say? They're 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 just not being faithful. They're just not being faithful. Well, do you think that if they hadn't been to church in three months, do you think that the first time they walked out the didn't come back, do you think that was the time when they weren't faithful? No. No. What you're just seeing is symptoms mm-hmm. of unfaithfulness. You see, we, we, we say, oh, brother so-and-so hadn't been here, and he's, in, he's become unfaithful. Oh, brother so-and-so was unfaithful long before, and we got to be real careful because... 
what we've defined as unfaithful is just attending service, mm-hmm. and we may be unfaithful with him. We just hadn't stopped. Right. We've just felt good about coming to service and, and sitting in the assembly and singing our songs and dropping our money in the plate, taking the Lord's Supper, and, and going on home. And you know what's really been the biggest problem with it is we really just we know what to do. I mean, especially in the church. I mean, we know the the Bible front to back. Yeah. But what's really happened is we've gotten complacent and we've we felt really we've just said it's okay that 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 we're lower in the bar. That's right. We've changed the the standard of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. What what we've done is. We've decided, whether we want to admit it or not, that we would create our own system. That's a real scary thing. It is. Let's see what the Lord says about that in Matthew chapter 15. Let's pick up in verse 1. Let's discuss this a little bit, all right? All right. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus and said, Why do your disciples break the law of Moses? Is that what that says? No. What's it say, Ben? Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? So it doesn't say the law there, does it? No. For they do not eat for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So they're accusing them not of breaking Mosaical law, mm-hmm. but they're coming to Jesus. Over tradition. Over tradition. He answered them and said, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? What? Because of your trans because of your tradition. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever prophet might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your traditions. What he's saying is that when you get, when you see your mom and daddy and they need help and you're supposed to honor them and you say, well, I really would like to, but this money's for God. Now, now this money that's for God, I will probably end up using it. Right, I'm gonna end up using it whether it's I'm gonna have a real nice meal and invite people mm-hmm. over that are my friends. I'm gonna I'm going to use this so I can have new clothes, so then I can impress people in the public, and then they'll be able then I'll be able to talk to them about God. And Jesus says, "You missed the point, son. You missed it because you're trying to figure out a way that you can still do things your way and feel good about it." And say, this one isn't really an important commandment. Well, I'm going to tell you, it was important enough that God would write it with his own finger and they'd stick it in the ark. And yet you create subcategory B, 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 all the way down through here. No, you've messed it up. And that's why he says in verse 7, well, it's a, it's a look at it, hypocrites, mm-hmm. exclamation point. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. When when they made this statement to Jesus about Isaiah 
I mean, when they made this tra- statement to Jesus about transgressing the tradition of the elders, to them that was just the same thing as breaking one of Moses' commandments, mm-hmm. teaching for doctrine the commandments of men, laying aside God's law beside my law and saying it's just as important, and now I'm going to weight them. I'm going to say this one has more weight than the other one does. Mm-hmm. Is that what God teaches us about faithfulness? No. No. <clears throat> and, you know... A lot of times, right, we, especially in the church, we try to, and it's just really sad, Chris, that we try to find the line. You know, what, what's the line to, to jump over, you know, a sinfulness, and what's the, what's the line of, of doing right? But what we, what we see, especially in Jesus' life, for, I mean, we need to, for I am holy, you know, you should be holy. Holiness is, is far away from that line as possible. That's exactly right. It's not seeing how close I can get to it, and it's not making me feel real good about it. And mm-hmm. it's never, ever has God asked us to do something that just doesn't. There's nowhere in your Bible, any of you people that are watching today, anybody that's listening on Spotify or whatever mobile device you're listening on, Google this and, you're, and just look it up in Google or your Bible app or whatever, Leap of Faith Bible, Leap of Faith Scripture, Leap of Faith Verse you're not going to find it. The, the closest you're going to find it is found in Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hunger. And the devil tempts him with the bread, right? Mm-hmm. Just turn these stones to bread. Then verse number five, then the devil took him, what is the answer in verse four? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Faithful answer, right, Ben? Right. He's answering it from the word of God. Number five, verse five, then the devil took him up in the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to them, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. So he's going to, the first time he just tempts him with, if you really got the power, go on and flip them stones over there to bread. I want to make him, you can't do it. Jesus says, listen, you don't, we don't, I'm hungry, but that's not what I live by. I live by God's word. While I may be hungry, and that's a, that's a great idea, that's not what God told me to do. So he says, okay, then how about this? God did tell you this. Then, if you want to get down to it, God did say, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, the devil says. His angels give charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You know what that says, Ben? What? Take a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. That's the biblical equivalent of take a leap of faith. Well, just jump. The if angels will get you. God will catch you, right? Just jump and let God catch you. No. You know what's going to happen if you jump off of a building? Depending on the height, you're either going to die or break your legs. You, you, it, it's not like the the coyote and the roadrunner, is it, where you no. walk off the cliff and you're okay as yeah, long as you don't look down? We don't down. live in Looney Tunes world. You That's know? Ex- do you have to believe in gravity for it to work? No. So, so even if you don't believe in gravity, no matter what you think, what's going to happen if you walk off a building? You're going to fall. So God has, God has set up these natural laws, and it really helps us to understand the spiritual ones. Mm-hmm. God says... If I tell you to do something, I expect you to obey it. 
I've never told you to do something to take a leap of faith. Jump out there. Name it and claim it, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, in James 1, James would even go as far as to say this. Let's see here. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life with the Lord promised to those who love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, when he is tempted, he is drawn away by his own desire and his own desire enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives forth, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth to death. So think about this. Verse 13 says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God does not go, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So can God, can we tempt God? No. 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 And a lot of people, they, they, they try to... That's what that is. They try to blame God, you know? Yes, absolutely. And and, 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 and you look at the challenges. The majority of the people have, have, since you've been working with our benevolence program, have you found anybody that's came to our benevolence program that hadn't got there, by and large, by a lot of series of bad decisions? I mean, every single one has... The, the, the reason why they're in the situation that they are is because of bad decisions. Yes. So if they change their decision-making process, right? Right. If they change their decision-making process, what would, what would happen to their lives? It would be better. It would be better. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good place to stop there. We'll pick up there next week, and we'll continue to talk about God's system of faith. Right, and, and, and really just some, some, some other ways where really the, the, the church, we've, we've been cutting corners. Yes, because now it's time to start defining those things and really understanding the boundaries that God mm-hmm. set. Because if we're going to be faithful, we've got to let him define the standard and not us. Because at the end of the days, I surely want to be right. I mean, I want to be wrong now and fix it. Then I want to be wrong on Judgment Day. Right. Amen. Amen. This is the Unscripted Podcast.